Before the pandemic, many churches were turning to rock bands and stage productions to stay relevant and attract new congregants. The exception is Christchurch Cathedral, which has contracted not one, but for two new instruments. The one on the nave is currently under construction, but Opus 148 by C.B. Fisk out of Gloucester, Massachusetts, stands finished and playable since 2018 in the Centennial Chapel. I'm Alexander Watson, author of River Queens, and with me today to talk about the Fisk installation are David Pike, Tonal Director and Executive Vice President of C.B. Fisk, and Dr. Michael Unger, Professor of Organ and Harpsichord at the College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati, who contributed heavily to the project. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. David Pike, let's start with you. The first thing that strikes anyone who walks into this space is that the organ is not front and center. It's installed off to the side. So one is not confronted immediately with a formidable instrument. And the second thing is, once somebody starts playing, is that the instrument is a departure from the mammoth sound that so many of us associate with pipe organ music. What inspiration did you use when designing the tonal program for this instrument? And how did you marry that concept to the room? Well, it's important to realize, first of all, that it was the room itself that inspired the concept. Our acoustical consultant, Dana Kierkegaard from Chicago, and I were listening to the chairman of the music committee, Harold Byers at the time, play on his original Amati violin along with Stephen Casarella, music director on the Continuo. And as we listened, it just occurred to us almost simultaneously, wow, what about an early Italian concept in this space? The acoustic is nicely resonant. There's a good amount of envelopment, warmth, clarity. It's not a large space. We don't want to overwhelm the listener with sound. The Italian instruments of the 16th century were voiced on very, very low wind pressures. And by that, I mean about 45 millimeters water column. That's extremely low when you consider that one pound per square inch, one PSI, is about 27 inches of water column. Okay, so this was an inch and three quarters water column we were thinking about. So that was really how the concept of the Italian-inspired instrument came about. Now, when you go to visit Italy and look at some of these old organs, which we did in 2014, you see right away that almost always they're located on one side or the other of the chancel. They're not front and center. The high altar is front and center. And then typically also across on the other side of the chancel is a musician's gallery facing the organ. So that really impressed us as something that would be practical in the Centennial Chapel in Cincinnati and could inspire all sorts of wonderful music making with other instrumentalists. Michael Unger, you have access to so many instruments on the UC campus and around town. Why do you assign Opus 148 to your students, and what do you expect for them to glean from that assignment? It's such a great question because every organ is different. Every organ is unique and tells its own story. They all feel distinct. 
they're in distinct spaces. So what is so wonderful about the organ that's at Centennial Chapel is that it behaves in a different way than maybe students are used to if they're playing a larger organ, different kind of action in a different kind of venue. There's a remarkable sensitivity to this instrument. You feel the wind in a certain way because of the wind pressure and because of the voicing, the way the pipes speak in the room, and a player's real connection between action and pipe can really be felt in such a sensitive and such a beautiful way on this Fisk organ. So it's an organ that, you know, my students have learned a lot of Italian repertoire, Frescobaldi, Pasquini, but certainly even beyond that into repertoire outside of Italy, Bach, repertoire outside of the Baroque, even into Brahms. And I have one student right now who's working on a recently composed piece for organ and percussion that will be eventually performed in that space. And it's such a great experience that we're really allowing students to learn to be flexible, to learn how to respond and how to make music with different resources that they can access. Excellent. Thank you for bringing up the winding, because that's my next question for David Pike. Fisk 148 has an unusual feature in the winding. Tell us about the treadles that are installed out of sight, and why are they incremental to the design? Well, Opus 148 has the option of being winded using human power. And, you know, think about it. It wasn't until the late 19th century that electricity became available, and electric blowers were powering pipe organs. Before that, you had to bring a friend or two with you if you wanted to practice the organ anywhere. But beyond that, the quality of the wind that's created by a set of bellows, these are wedge-shaped bellows, seven feet long by three and a half feet wide. So they're very, very large versions of fireplace bellows. A human stands on a lever and at the hinge end of the bellows, the lever goes down because of the human weight, and the open end of the bellows rises. The human then gets off of the pedal, and the bellows is allowed to fall. It has just the right amount of weight on top of it to create the desired wind pressure. But the bellows is in continual motion, and then there's a second bellows that alternates with the first one. So the bellows isn't just something that's filled up by an electric blower and is essentially static. It's like a pair of lungs. The organ actually is breathing. And there's a very subtle variation in wind pressure from when the bellows is fully open and when it's fully closed or almost closed. So that subtle difference in wind pressure creates an expressive quality in the sound of the organ. So the whole idea here is to create an organ, which of course is an inanimate thing, to create an organ that sounds alive, that has human qualities to it. And we've discovered that this wind system plays a very large role in that at Opus 148. So it's an instrument, it's an organ that sings, as it were. Well, yes. I mean, we like to think that all of our organs sing, but this one in particular has a very human singing quality, yes. Mike Longer, as a touring artist yourself, explain the relationship between a city's inventory of playable instruments and the talent that that city can attract. I think 
we're really lucky here. And, and Cincinnati has such a interesting history just within the sort of narrative of America. We have in this town instruments from the 19th century that have been restored or are being restored through instruments of the early 20th century, through instruments that have just been built or in the process of being built. And, and as I was saying earlier, they all tell a different story. They all inspired different kinds of music and different kinds of experiences. And I think what's wonderful about a town that has such variety is that we're able then to invite a variety of different artists here to share their talents and to marry their voices with the voices of the instruments that we have, be it 19th century, 20th century, or, you know, this wonderful instrument that is in this chapel at Christchurch Cathedral, where we've been able to invite guest artists who have performed and taught already in the just relatively short time that this instrument has been here. So it's an exciting thing. It, it helps further put Cincinnati on the map in the organ world here. David Pike, what was the one thing or attribute or aspect that you wanted most for Fisk 148 to deliver to Cincinnati? The special sound that you can only get with a very low wind pressure, okay? I had had some experience with this type of sound Way back in 1985, we installed an organ in a university chapel, Mount Holyoke University in South Hadley, Massachusetts. A larger instrument, much larger, two manual, in a very large stone chapel. And the music director at the time there, Margaret Irwin Brandon, had discovered this Italian sound from these low-pressure instruments. And she begged Charles Fisk, who was still alive when this instrument was conceived, to build her an organ in this style. And Charlie reluctantly agreed. Unfortunately, he died before the organ was even built in our workshop. And it fell to me to design the pipe scalings and do the final voicing. And the finished voicing in that space was like no other I had had in that because of the low wind pressure, the sound was innately a gentle sound. But also because of the low wind pressure, you had to voice the pipes with very open toes, which meant that a great deal of wind was passing through the windways and into the pipe bodies. So the sound of the organ, it was almost paradoxical in that it was gentle because of the pressure, and yet it had a strength to it because of the volume of wind passing through all these pipes. And I've never forgotten that. And that this opportunity came up a few years back was very, very exciting to me. Michael Unger, what is your favorite aspect of the instrument? Well, we've mentioned this before, but briefly, it's its breath. The sweetness of the flutes, the brilliance of the upper work, its color is really rooted in its breath and in its wind. And that's something that is just such a joy as a performer to feel and as a listener to hear. My guests have been David Pike and Michael Unger, and we've been talking about Fisk Opus 148 in Centennial Chapel at Christchurch Cathedral. For more information, visit our website, wvxu.org. For Around Cincinnati, I'm Alexander Watson.